Welcome to another edition of CFN Weekly News Roundup. I'm Brian McCall and Matt Gaspers has uh, the week off today. So uh, we'll be spending a little time together going over uh, some of the stories that have emerged this week. First, we'll have an update on the case of Father Altman. Uh, and really what's happened to him will show was predicted by Archbishop Vigano about a year ago. Secondly, we'll look at the Vatican and vaccines and a couple interesting news stories related to that this week. Third, we have a story uh, that documents the communist infiltration and how the errors of Russia, meaning the errors of communism, have spread to the United States as evidenced by a recently released video from the U.S. Army. And finally, we will have uh, an interesting update from Bishop Nighty Night Baby Tobin. Uh, who has expressed his happiness at the conversion or the, the uh, falling away of a Catholic to become a Protestant. So there are stories for the week. Uh, today is a ferial day on the Roman uh, calendar. Uh, this week we've had some uh, really good saints though. We had uh, a two, uh, two very strong uh, female rulers, St. Elizabeth of Hungary, uh, great noble uh, women, and also St. Isabel. Uh, but we also had this week the feast of St. Cyril and Methodius, who are the so-called, uh, given the title, the Apostles to the Slavs. Uh, they were given that title because of their great work in the ninth century of converting the Slavic people to the Catholic faith. Uh, they were natural brothers on the natural level uh, who worked as missionaries in uh, Moravia and various Slavic territories and uh, had great fruitful success in winning over the Slavic people. Um, they're often misused by the Novus Ordo establishment to make lots of claims about vernacular liturgy, etc. cetera. Uh, it is true that they uh, worked on a Slavic version, the Slavic rite, the Eastern Slavic rite, uh, as part of that conversion effort. But unlike modern misrepresentation saying it, it is a liturgy in the vernacular, it is not. It actually used what's called Old uh, Slavic, uh, Old Slavonic, the, uh, which is not the living vernacular language. So in a sense, it's kind of like the relation between Latin and Italian in, a, in an analogous sense. So they were there that, that liturgy, that Eastern liturgy, despite the, uh, being misrepresented as such, um, was uh, a use of a, a dead, in our language, dead language in, in the liturgy. So they're often misused again by modernists in, in our day. Uh, but they really showed the great Catholicity of the, of the church in reaching out to these, these, uh, the, these people, these pagans. Uh, they also are credited on the, the uh, sort of natural historical level uh, for creating an alphabet. So the Slavonic language didn't have uh, an alphabet alphabet and they took uh, the Greek characters and developed those into uh, a uh, an alphabet that is still as an alphabet in use today uh, for example in in Russian for example so uh, important uh, missionary saints in the church so we'll turn now to our first story, uh, Father Altman. And as we've reported uh, previously, Father Altman is, as you probably know, has been very outspoken on Catholic truth, particularly in the U.S. Uh, presidential election. He was outspoken on the church's infallible teaching on abortion and uh, really, you know, said there's no way a Catholic could vote for uh, someone like Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris, uh, given their radical support for uh, an intrinsically evil act. 
and uh, again, other things. That's just one of the most common. But he's been a very outspoken priest on the, the, the truths of the Catholic faith. We previously reported uh, his bishop, Bishop William Patrick Callahan of the Diocese of La Crosse, uh, had asked him to ordered him to resign, and Father Altman has, has not uh, done so because he's done nothing wrong. And the people there want him. He is, uh, uh, they are not, you know, clamoring that he's doing anything wrong. They're, they, uh, his people of his parish are overwhelmingly uh, in support. And again, there's always a few liberal cranks everywhere, but overwhelmingly in support of his uh, use of traditional Latin mass and his uh, solid preaching. Uh, he said he was going to push for a canonical procedure, but as is always the case with these liberals, they're not interested in the law. They're just interested in persecution. So as reported uh, this week, the same Bishop Callahan uh, sent a note via FedEx to Father Altman informing him, again, sort of like Archbishop Lefebvre, no canonical trial, no rights of due process, just uh, heavy-handed punishment, that he has been removed as the pastor of St. James the Last Parish, which is where he was the pastor, and that his priestly faculties are suspended. Um, this comes directly in a report from Father Altman to uh, LifeSite News, who reported, among others, but I think one of the first to report this. Again, the parallels with Archbishop Lefebvre are, are you know, striking. Uh, no proper canonical procedures, no actual list of crimes that he's accused of, uh, and just is suspended, you're gone. Uh, it, completely illegally, unjustly, uh, and tyrannically, uh, but this is the only way that they deal with it. So while Father James Martin is sent a letter from Pope Francis congratulating and encouraging him on his ministry, promoting uh, transgender and LGBTQ people to continue in their sins. I mean, again, Francis doesn't use those words, but he commends him in his ministry. And that's the ministry he's known for publicly, right? So, it's, so again, people are trying to say, oh, Francis wasn't supporting that. Uh, that's all this priest is known for. And when you say, keep doing what you're doing, it's pretty clear. So he gets a letter of commendation. Father Altman, who just repeats what the church has always and everywhere taught, uh, gets, quote, suspended from his priestly faculties. A suspension under canon law means the priest is not allowed to publicly offer mass, baptize, or administer any other sacraments, hear confession, except in extremis. However, unjust penalties, as we know, have no force in law. Unjust penalties, which are a tyrannical act, not an act of justice, uh, do, not, do not take effect. And that under canon law itself. There's been no due process, no procedure, and he's been accused of no crimes other than preaching the Catholic faith. Um, so, but that being said, he still needs our support because he is going to get, they're going to go after the money first. They're going to cut him off. They're going to try to, they're going to throw him out of the rectory so he has nowhere to live. And Father Altman, again, I don't know the whole personal story, but he's responsible for caring for his elderly parents as well. So uh, this burden has fallen upon him as a son. I, I don't really, like I said, I don't know his story, if he has other siblings or if he's an only child, but I do know that his parents were dependent on him. They're probably leveraging this to threaten him. But we need to pray for Father Altman, first of all, that he remains faithful and doesn't compromise. Again, no signs he will, but but it's a big temptation, right? That when, when you're put in this temporal position and we need to do, and I'm sure 
those in his, his parish will do so. At the Roman Forum last week, I had the honor to meet a, a, a lovely couple who attend uh, his, his mass, are familiar with him, and they said people are behind him and are going to uh, support him. He had a GoFundMe page, which I think at $800,000 donated very quickly. Um, but again, that's what our role is as the laity. We need to support priests like this when they are persecuted by their bishops. Now, interestingly, just about a year ago this time, uh, Catholic Family News wrote to Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, uh, Stephen Cox, one of our, our contributors, wrote to him with a series of questions. And the Archbishop replied kindly to those. And I want to read a very important passage from that reply that you can find on our website, catholicfamilynews.com, and where he predicts what will happen to priests like Father Altman who do not compromise. Quote, if you only celebrate the Tridentine Mass and preach sound doctrine without ever mentioning the council, what can they ever do to you? That's a rhetorical question, <laughs> and he's going to answer it. Throw you out of your churches? Perhaps. And then what? No one can ever prevent you from renewing the holy sacrifice, even if it is on a makeshift altar in a cellar or an attic, as the refractory priest did during the French Revolution or as happens still today in China. And if they try to distance you, resist. Canon law serves to guarantee the government of the church in the pursuit of its primary purposes, not to demolish it. Let's stop fearing that the fault of the schism lies with those who denounce it and not instead with those who carry it out. The ones who are schismatics and heretics are those who wound and crucify the mystical body of Christ, not those who defend it by denouncing its executioners. Right, Very uh, um, prophetic words uh, by Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. It is Bishop Callahan who is the schismatic, who is dividing the church by persecuting unjustly someone like Father Altman. Uh, and, and again, Archbishop Vigan was warning priests like Father Altman um, that uh, this could be coming and this could be their fate if you are not going to compromise with the revolution. They will unjustly persecute you and reminds them, pay no attention to these. Canon law protects you because everything in canon law is oriented to the salvation of souls. It cannot be misused. When it's misused, it is an act of tyranny an unjust law and no law at all, as St. Thomas says, rather an act of violence. Uh, and so, he, as the Archbishop Lefebvre said about his own suspension, Adivinus, we treat these penalties as null and void and as nothing because they have no basis in law. Um, so we uh, commend Father Altman to your prayers and uh, to your prayers all faithful priests who, again, I think this may be the beginning of a coming storm. We have all these predictions that in, quote, days or weeks, a new motu proprio will be coming out, which will likely is set up for persecution of faithful priests who, uh, again, say the traditional mass, offer the traditional mass, preach sound doctrine, do not fawn before the council. So uh, I think Father Altman may be a test case, the first case of more persecutions to come, and we need to pray for those priests, that they remain faithful, like the refractory priests in the French Revolution, like the great missionaries to England in the 16th century who had to hide in, in hidey holes and attics and uh, to keep the faith. So uh, please keep all those priests who will come under persecution uh, if they remain faithful.
So our uh, second story turns to uh, the bishops of the United States. And as we've reported before, when they met at their um, spring meeting of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, they voted to draft a document on the Eucharist. Uh, and again, much of the focus has been on whether it would say people like Joe Biden should be denied communion. I think the bishops might guess are going to take a punt on that because they're afraid of a political issue. But uh, this week, two bishops spoke out with some striking statements um, that show both, on the one hand, their perception of the problem, and on the other hand, their complete ignorance of its cause. So um, um, this week, uh, in comments to the Wheeling News Register um, that were published uh, this past Tuesday, Bishop Mark Brennan of Wheeling, Charleston, and Bishop Jeffrey Monforton of Steubenville uh, indicated the bishops are responding to an apparent lack of belief in the church's teaching on the Eucharist. So they say the reason for this document is primarily uh, that there's an apparent lack of belief in the teaching on the Eucharist, one of the most fundamental dogmas of the Catholic faith. Quote, quoting from some of their comments, we face a great challenge to reverse the weakened faith of many Catholics in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. That was Bishop Brennan told the News Register. Without that faith, it is questionable whether a Catholic receives the spiritual benefit of the sacrament. It's very important. We know the Catholic teaching is the sacraments operate ex opere operata, so they, they don't depend on us. They just are affected. They happen. So the transubstantiation happens. The true body, blood, soul, and divinity comes into our body if we uh, receive it. So it doesn't matter on our belief, whether we believe it or not, it is there, it is present, but its effects are a different matter. If we are ill disposed, we commit a, and again, he should be more blunt, we commit a sacrilege. If we receive communion, as St. Paul says, not discerning the body and blood of the Lord, we eat not our salvation, but our condemnation. So it's not that the sacrament is not valid, not present. It's an effect on us is to condemn us rather than to sanctify us if we are not disposed. And frankly, uh, your, your uh, lordship, without faith, it is questionable whether a Catholic raises spiritual benefits. Actually, it is not questionable at all. Without faith, if they disbelieve in the Eucharist, if they do not, now again, we're not talking about a weak faith or a faith that needs strengthening, but somebody who actually does not believe, they, they do not receive spiritual benefit of the Eucharist. So it's good that he's recognizing this, although he's kind of watering down the effect. St. Paul didn't say, you who eat the body and blood of Christ not discerning. That's yeah, questionable. He says, you eat your condemnation. So again, St. Paul is pretty clear. Um, they go on in this to describe a little more specifically uh, what they need to address in this document, um, that the teaching on the Eucharist uh, is, uh, is, is falling away. And we know that various studies have shown upwards to maybe two-thirds of Catholics do not believe in transubstantiation, that the that the reception of Holy Communion, the Blessed Sacrament, contains the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, they say we need, quote, the recovery of understanding the Eucharist as sacrifice and the need for beautiful and dignified liturgies, right? All of which flow from the, the belief in the uh, uh, Blessed Sacrament. And they say it also needs to discuss the document, the worthiness to receive communion. We used to call it be properly disposed. They call now this politically correct term Eucharist consistency. Again, they can't just call things what they are. Now, what's sad about this is the bishops seem to be kind of 
finally acknowledging the inevitable. This is not a new springtime. People don't even believe in the basic tenet of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ and the Holy Sacrifice and the Mass. And they're saying, whoa, this is a problem. Oh, we need to write a document about this, right? And they, But they don't see the cause. As Archbishop Vigano says in his writings on Vatican II, it's not enough to see the effect. We need to go and find the root cause. And the root cause of lack of these beliefs, as traditionalists have been saying for decades, is the new mass. This is why Archbishop Lefebvre said you could not attend the new mass because it put your faith at risk. It was a danger to the faith, primarily for these points, that it weakened through its ambiguities, its omissions, its overt novelties. It weakened belief in the sacrificial nature of the Blessed Sacrament and the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. It converts, it gives the appearance of this Mass being a communal meal led by, in the old words of the general instruction on the new missal, a priest presider, right? That it's just a group together praying with the person who's in charge, as opposed to a priest, a sacred priesthood, offering sacrifice. And that's what Archbishop Lefebvre meant when he said the new mass was a danger to the faith. If you continually expose yourself to this, you will lose faith in the sacrificial nature of the mass. And if you go to a rite where it is not respected, it is not outward signs do not show belief, inward belief in the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, such as the lack of genuflections, the lack of care for the protection of the blessed species by the uh, stopping of the priest only touching the blessed sacrament with his canonical fingers, with the distribution of communion in the hand, the banishing of communion patterns, the dropping of particles all over the floor, um, the allowing of lay people to purify vessels, on and on and on. All of this undermines the exact belief that these bishops are recognizing belief in the true presence and the sacrificial nature. So the remedy to these loss of faith is not some long-winded compromised document voted on by the bishops, but what Archbishop Vigano says, a time when the next Pope will banish the Novus Ordo Paul VI rites and restore the traditional Latin mass to every Catholic church in the Western Rite. That's the solution. So again, we commend uh, these bishops for um, recognizing the problem, but unlike their brother bishop, Archbishop Vigano, they seem unwilling or unable to go to the root cause, Vatican II and the new mass. And that is the only thing that will get us out of this crisis. In one of the analogies he uses, Archbishop Vigano, you cannot treat the disease until you find its cause. And that's the real cause. To be honest, it's all overshadowed by this issue on Biden, which they're never going to have a document saying can't go to communion. They're, they're too political. That's to distract from this real issue that they should be addressing. So let's pray that like Archbishop Vigano, more bishops will be woken up to the truth and will uh, begin to see that the real cause is again, the Paul VI Mass and the council that gave birth to it. Turning to the Vatican for our uh, next story, we have two sort of related stories under the heading of the Vatican and the vaccine. July 5th, a story broke, uh, and I found it by uh, Michael Haynes in uh, LifeSite News, uh, that a confirmation by a senior Vatican official that over this past Easter, Pope Francis personally approved the inviting of a group of transgender individuals to the Vatican to receive a COVID-19 vaccine. Um, now, there are two problems with this. Number one, why is the Vatican giving out vaccines in the first place? 
given all the moral prudential problems with this thing? Why are they promoting it and distributing it? And to see the hypocrisy of this, over Holy Week, over Easter, the Vatican was closed. They were shut down. They went into the shutdown. For second year, there was no public celebration of, uh, with, with uh, crowds of, of, of the faithful of the uh, Holy Week liturgy. So shut down. And can't do it. But then they packed these people, these transgender people, into a bus. They said 50 people on the bus. Boy, that doesn't sound like social distancing to me. To drive them to the Vatican to get their vaccine. But you couldn't pack them in. They couldn't even spread them out in the church uh, a little bit. But you could pack them in a bus to serve the new world order. So again, another, you know, we, as, as Archbishop Vigano says, Pope Francis works for the deep church, who works for the deep state, the invisible enemy. He's just a puppet of the Bill Gates, George Soros deep state, and he's got to play his part by promoting the vaccine. First problem. Second problem, why, why, what's this, you know, inviting these transgendered uh, people here and highlighting their transgender uh, status. Again, why is not just, well, you know, we have some medicine, we're going to give it out to anybody. Why go out and sort of highlight this particular group who are living a life publicly contrary to the teaching of the church, that it is inconsistent with human dignity to not recognize the order of human nature, male and female, I created them. As the Bible tells us. Uh, we also, as part of this, knew that Pope Francis previously gave money to this group uh, when COVID-19 restrictions uh, hurt them from being able to sell, I don't know what they do, but sell to customers on the street. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with the Pope giving out alms to people. Uh, but number one, he should be denouncing these lockdowns that are depriving people of a means of, of, of supporting themselves. But again, why does he have to highlight transgender group. Uh, he then gave instructions uh, to the Vatican when they opened the Vatican for this transgender group, but not for the faithful, um, that uh, they um, were not to ask their gender. So again, he, he has shown himself repeatedly to basically accept, like he did with this letter to James Martin. He has blessed uh, openly transgender homosexual couples. He has blessed them as couples. He has, he has uh, uh, acknowledged their status rather than you know, telling them this is intrinsically uh, wrong. Um, and uh, we know he also uh, appointed uh, Juan Carlos Cruz, an openly homosexual man, uh, to the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors. Again, is uh, appointed as a person who publicly espouses a life which is contrary to the teaching of the church uh, to this very public uh, position. Uh, and again, when asked, should we invite this group to come as a group? Again, he's not just, no one's saying that there were real medicine to be handed out, stop them from getting medicine that helps them, but to isolate them as a group and acknowledge them in this way, he said, absolutely, was his response, according to the senior Vatican uh, officials. Uh, quote, ask for their names, ask for anything they need, but do not ask them about their sex. Uh, again, this is just a further promotion of gender ideology. Just like all modernists, in one side of his mouth, he, quote, denounces gender ideology and then promotes it uh, in the other, out of the other side uh, of, his, of his mouth. Um, now, the related story comes from Diane Montagna, uh, who uh, went to a Vatican press conference recently and asked the hard question. So she asked... Uh, uh, the question, I'm going to play it for you, a little video of her question, then we'll discuss the answer, or maybe 
more accurately, the non-answer that she was uh, given. So here is her question. Oops, wait. Question for Monsignor Paglia, and a question then for the scientist who just spoke. Um, Monsignor Paglia, you've spoken a lot today about the ethics of vaccines, but these ethics appear limited to primarily equitable distribution and overcoming vaccine hesitancy. You've made no mention to what concerns and genuinely concerns many Catholics uh, the fact that these many of these vaccines are abortion-tainted vaccines, uh, the right to conscientious objection, though I think perhaps you've made one comment about that, and the fact that these vaccines have cost many lives. In the United States, 6,100 people have died from them. Why are you not addressing these legitimate questions, particularly of Catholics, as you're the head of the Pontifical Academy for Life, for the scientist who just spoke, um, uh, please forgive me if I misquote you. I'm not going to try to quote you, but to paraphrase, uh, you seem to have just said that we really do not know the long-term effects of these vaccines. And yet there are campaigns to, vaccine, uh, to vaccinate children. Uh, and many reports have shown that children are neither uh, likely very unlikely to be affected in any serious way, nor do they spread COVID. And you can see uh, this sort of full report by Don Montagna over at the Remnant uh, newspaper, their website. So again, <laughs> congratulations, God bless Don Montagna for asking the hard questions uh, as she did there uh, to, again, the head of the Pontifical Academy for Life or what used to be the Pontifical Academy uh, for Life, which doesn't quite seem to be anymore, uh, given the Pope Francis's sort of overhaul uh, of it to essentially undermine um, uh, their stance on uh, life. So uh, he answered, I won't play the video because it's in Italian, so he answered in Italian, but Diane Montagna um, then uh, translated that uh, in a transcript in English. So here is what uh, uh, Monsieur Paglia uh, said. I have spoken before about the intervention by the dicastery for integral human development with the note of last December, but there was also the note and I, that hope you read it, from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, which, as you know, within the context of the Catholic Church, is the authority that responds with the greatest clarity to the doubts and problems. And this note responds exactly to the objection that you raise. If Catholics don't listen even to this, that's another matter. But we'll not enter into another perspective obviously, which is not that of the ordinary life of the Catholic Church. We are very aware of that question, and that is precisely the reason for the concern of the Pope and the Holy See, requested and made an explicit reference to that, without dealing with all of the other issues that were then dealt with by the subsequent note of the Dicastery for Integral Human Development. We are very aware, and the answer to your question has been given, but since liberty exists, anyone can say, I don't accept what the Pope says, or what the congregation says, or what you say, et cetera, et cetera. But from a standpoint of the Catholic doctrine, we are in good standing and in the right. 
Therefore, I would exhort these Catholic brothers and sisters to listen to what's already been said, and I can only repeat it. If you want, I can read the note to you again. It's not that there's anything to add. So in other words, his answer is, I've answered that, I've answered that, be quiet, sit down, go get vaccinated, right? And again, the principle articulated by the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith is a valid Catholic principle that under certain proportionate circumstances, a, an indirect, remote, material cooperation with evil may be permissible. But number one, the, the, they have twisted that into maybe permissible to is required. And number two, there's the principle is one thing. It's application is a matter of prudence. Okay. What are the reasons to allow this remote cooperation with evil? Is the good to come out of that remote cooperation, which is not intended, proportionate to the evil effects? Right? And again, as Chris Ferrara has written extensively in the three-part series on our website, Catholic, CFN, Catholic Family News website, the evidence is pretty clear about this on the prudential level, as she refers to in her question. They have no idea the effects of this. So how can you say the proportionality of the evil of abortions taint against unknown effects, which might actually be harmful? And in fact, she points to evidence that they could be. So again, a complete non-answer. And in fact, classic modernist move. So if you want to be James Martin and disregard the perennial ordinary magisterium of the church, <laughs> good to you, you get a note from the, from the Pope. But if you want to say, hey, this application by the Congress for the, or the, the Council for Integral Human Development seems to doesn't understand any of the facts at all, and on a factual level doesn't understand anything, then basically he's saying, you're not a good Catholic. You need to shut up and just listen. Does he say that to James Martin? No, absolutely not. But to the average Catholic who says, whoa, something's going on here. Uh, this doesn't add up. He says, be quiet and just do what we tell you uh, as uh, instruments of the new world order, as uh, Archbishop Vigano has told us. So again, a, a sad state at the Vatican. Uh, and commend Diane Montagna for her uh, bravery in asking this question. Um, and we also encourage you to read her full report and analysis of that part of the issue on the Remnant website. Well, this is no surprise, as Archbishop Vigano has pointed out in his Diaz-Ire interview and other places. Uh, what we are seeing are the predictions of the, the Our Lady of Fatima come true, that Russia will spread her errors throughout the world, including within the church, right? That we know we see these errors of Russia. We, as, as Archbishop Vigano has said, Bergoglio is as indebted to the Chinese communists as is Joe Biden. He is their puppet. The errors of Russia are now being proclaimed in the Vatican, in the Vatican Health Summit, for example, the population control anti-family uh, policies that were promoted at a recent Vatican conference. But they've also spread and now dominate our country. And I want to show this in a little video series. Um, this was released, uh, I found I found it earlier this week. I'm not sure when it was actually uh, released. Actually, it goes back to, uh, to May, uh, but I discovered it this week. Interestingly, it was posted May 13th, 2021. It's a little interesting. And this video is a larger video that compares uh, a recruitment video for the Chinese Communist Army, the Russian Army, and then a new one produced under the Biden administration to encourage people to join the U.S. Army. And this will show uh, the infiltration of the errors of Russia. So first I want to show a clip from the Chinese one, just by virtue of contrast, just on the natural level of who's going to uh, actually 
recruit more people to want to join an army? Or what does it say about the view of the army? Again, you don't need to understand what they're saying. It's obviously in Chinese, but I'll just give you a flavor for the way they are uh, promoting their army. I think you get the idea. They're a serious army. Uh, I won't play again a lot from the Russian. Let me just jump ahead and show uh, a little bit from the Russian army one. Again, you get the idea. We're a tough army, right? Uh, you get that idea. So then we're going to skip ahead to this, uh, this person who um, uh, put this little comparison together to the recent U.S. Army recruitment video under the Biden administration. Um, I, I warning, it is disturbing. There is some disturbing, uh, from a, a moral point of view, uh, uh, things in this. So uh, be aware. <laughs> it is sad. It is an error of Russia. This is the story of a soldier who operates your nation's Patriot Missile Defense Systems. It begins in California with a little girl no surprise. by two moms. Although I had a fairly typical childhood, took ballet, Notice that subtle error there. This is a typical childhood, not a typical childhood raised by a father and a mother, right? Notice that. I also marched for equality. I like to think I've been defending freedom from an early age. When I was six years old, one of my moms had an accident that left her paralyzed. Doctors said she might never walk again, but she tapped into my family's pride to get back on her feet eventually standing at the altar to marry my other mom. With such powerful role models, I finished high school at the top of my class and then attended UC Davis, where I joined a sorority full of other strong women. But as graduation approached, I began feeling like I'd been handed so much in life, a sorority girl stereotype. Sure, I'd spent my life around inspiring women, but what had I really achieved on my own? One of my sorority sisters was studying abroad in Italy. Another was climbing Mount Everest. I needed my own adventures, my own challenge. And after meeting with an army recruiter, I found it. A way to prove my inner strength and maybe shatter some stereotypes along the way. I'm U.S. Army Corporal Emma Malone Lord, and I answered my calling.
Oops. Uh, again, if you needed evidence that the errors of Russia have spread throughout even the United States, there's your proof. Now, before we talk about it, I want to dispel one myth. There are people online claiming this was a hoax. It's not a real video. Um, this is from Newsweek, just to show you. And uh, the U.S. Army has revealed the true stories behind a new animated recruitment video that showcases previously underrepresented groups, right? The film released by the U.S. Army profiles five soldiers, and there's more to it, uh, but it goes on to mention, there it is, the calling. So again, according to Newsweek, uh, there, you know, this is real. So I want to dispel that, that myth. Uh, again, look what this is like. This is supposed to be... A, a, something promoting joining the army. But instead, what is it doing? It's just uh, promoting an error of Russia, the norm, the normalization of the abnormal, making the abnormal normal, right? First, of all, I, and just think about this from a natural level. What does it say about your view of the army? Obviously, the Chinese see the army as a military. <laughs> Look at the images. The US, it's a cartoon. It's a joke. And it's more about social engineering, promoting errors, undermining the natural family than about actually the military. It's unbelievable that this would be produced by the army, right? And it shows the utter tyranny of those controlling the federal government. They're not promoting the common good, but their personal agenda. Uh, again, I, I, I Anybody wants to argue that Russia has been consecrated, we have a period of peace, Russia has been converted, as the naysayers of Fatima have done, watch that video. The errors of Russia are spread around the United States, and that video is proof positive of that, of the error of Russia to, again, what was the number one error of Russia was to undermine the family. And that's all that's meant to do. Aside from what real soldier would want to join that? Think about, first of all, what's the message? I was a white, privileged, useless girl who hadn't done anything in her life, so I have nothing better to do. So I just decided to join the army. Right? Basically, that's what the message, among the other, obviously, the immoral messages of that video is. Uh, again, I, I find it interesting that that video was posted May 13th. I, the person who did it probably had no idea of May 13th, the meaning of it, but whoever put that collection comparison together posting on May 13th seems a really interesting note uh, of it being the uh, um, such an important date in the Fata, Fatima message. Well, for our final story, uh, we will turn to Cardinal Nighty Night Baby, Night Night Baby, Tobin. Uh, Cardinal Tobin uh, yesterday uh, tweeted this. Got a letter recently from a lifelong Catholic announcing their departure from the Catholic Church because of our attitude about women and priestly celibacy. They've become an Episcopalian. Well, it's regrettable. It's okay. Better a happy Protestant than an unfaithful Catholic. Now, <laughs> unbelievable here. Uh, and you can see my reply to which there's been no reply, not surprised, uh, to which I said, natural happiness is not salvation. Extra ecclesium nola salus. Uh, no reply from Bishop Tobin. Uh, so think about what he's saying. First, why did he release this? I think it's part of their subtle 
look, not having female ordinations, not, you know, not letting women priests. It's driving people out of the church. We need to accept this. This is the Vatican II lie that was put at the council. Unless we soften or moderate our teaching, make it more pastoral, people are going to leave. Well, I hate to tell you, Bishop Tobin, people have been fleeing the Catholic Church since Vatican II in droves. They've been fleeing either because they're just disgusted by it or they've realized it doesn't matter anymore. Why be a Catholic? Uh, and, you know, this all this aggiornamento with the world, this updating hasn't stopped that. It has accelerated it. So first point. Second point, he obviously does not believe in extra ecclesium null solace. So he's saying it's better to be a happy Protestant. Obviously, it is not better because you are outside the church, right? An unfaithful Catholic obviously needs to go to confession, right? If Catholic who sins is still a member of the body of Christ, albeit a dead member, but he can come back to life by going to confession. One who has apostatized, formally renounced the faith, and if that's what that person did, again, appears to be from what he says, but if they've renounced the faith and become a Protestant, they've apostatized, they've cut themselves off from the church. They're not even a dead member anymore. They're outside the church. This is not something, oh, regrettable, but <laughs> it's okay. I'm okay. You're okay. Attitude. This is what brought us to this point. Whereas before, Catholics knew that what it meant to be outside the church and what its consequences were. And he just laughs off as okay, right? The, doc, the doctrine, extra clays and nulla salis, which has been repeatedly infallibly proclaimed by popes and councils, right? He cuts himself off from the Catholic church, uh, whether it be schismatic, heretic, right? Cannot be saved. And again, instead of saying to this person, don't do this, come back, come to the stay in the church, your eternal salvation depends. And he says, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's regrettable. But, you know, it's like we lost a couple of members in our in our uh, little social club. That's regrettable. But okay. I mean, un, unbelievable. This is, this, this is the reason the church is in the state uh, that it is. Now, some of you may, may have forgotten my reference uh, to uh, the nighty-night uh, baby. Cardinal, this goes to a uh, scandal that I think we, we did report on. Uh, but uh, when... Uh, boarding a plane, uh, this tweet was sent out by, there you see a picture of it, it's been since deleted, cover up the evidence, but there's a picture of it, Joe Tobin, interesting handle, supposed to be airborne in 10 minutes, nighty night, baby, I love you. Yeah, and then when this went viral, uh, Tobin's, oh, oh, it was a, a, meant to be a private message to my sister. Uh, yeah. Uh, even if that is factually true, uh, how many adult men, if his age, would send that as a message to their sister? That's strange. And on top of the fact, again, we know from the testimony of Archbishop Vigano, Tobin has been in and around and involved in the McCarrick network. Uh, he is uh, features in Archbishop Vigano's testimony as part of the sodomite network within the church. Uh, and is it any surprise, as Archbishop Vigano has pointed out, deteriorations in morality lead to deteriorations in dogma and loss of the faith. They go hand in hand. There you have proof positive from Nighty Night Baby uh, Tobin, another darling favorite of Pope Francis, who is continually awarded uh, with uh, plum appointments and recognition. Uh, just like Father James Martin, where Father Altman receives uh, persecution, as does Archbishop Vigano.
Well, that's our roundup of stories uh, for the week. Uh, sorry, uh, aside from uh, acknowledging the great bravery of uh, Father Altman, which is a, a good story, a positive story, uh, really a theme of uh, errors of Russia spreading. Uh, but as Archbishop Vigano tells us in his three-point plan that he gave to uh, the Steve Bannon's War Room January 1st, first step in the plan is to be aware. And that's what we try to do here. Be aware of the revolution in the church and state. Number two, denounce it, what we're doing here. Number three, pray. Pray to our Blessed Mother to uh, end this to allow the consecration of Russia and the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. And that's what we can all do together. So we urge you uh, to pray. We don't tell these stories to give great despair, but to get to the root causes so that we can be aware and denounce them and inspire us to pray and make sacrifices. I attended uh, part of all day adoration this week. The Society of St. Pius X chapels around the world run a perpetual adoration. We're a different chapel every day. And uh, one, there's a, a list of intentions, one of which is for the return of the Pope and bishops uh, to tradition, the return of Rome to tradition. And it's through acts like attending uh, part of perpetual adoration, making a holy hour, doing these things that that we can do our part as a laity, as well as caring for the priests and bishops who come over to tradition, accepting them, welcoming them, supporting them, uh, like like we should do with Archbishop Vigano and Father Altman. So in that vein, we will end as we always do with a, a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Saint Cyril and Methodius, pray for us. Eternal Father, I offer thee the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and all the instruments of his holy passion, that thou mayest put division in the camp of thy enemies. For as thy beloved Son hath said, a kingdom divided against itself shall fall. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And a reminder, this was a prayer very dear uh, to longtime editor of Catholic Family News, John Venari, which was composed by Sister Marie of St. Peter, in uh, the 19th century under the guidance of our Lord for the specific defeat of communists and all revolutionary men. So again, a very powerful prayer for our time in light of our stories uh, today about the uh, infiltration and the spreading of the errors of Russia, which Our Lady predicted. Thank you for your attention. If you've enjoyed this news broadcast, please forward it to your contacts. Please like uh, or uh, give a rumble on Rumble to it. Uh, please share it. Please subscribe to our channels, our Rumble and our YouTube channel. Uh, again, our Rumble one is the most secure, so please keep an eye out for that. If you don't see a video or if a video disappears from YouTube, please check on Rumble. And if you enjoy our, all of our free content, I've mentioned several on our website, the letter of Archbishop Vigano uh, about to, to the group supporting priests, underground resistant priests, who are resisting modernism in the church. Uh, I've also mentioned Chris Ferrar's three-part article on uh, the COVID situation, which is on our website. If you enjoy all that free content, please consider subscribing to Catholic Family News, either in e-edition, which you can do online and instantly get e electronic access, or by calling uh, the 800 number listed on our website and subscribing to a paper copy, uh, which will be mailed to your home. Thank you again for your attention. May God bless you and may you have a holy and happy week until we see each other next time.